couple things for tonight. Uh, one is that Brian and I are going to spend some time just kind of recapping uh, what we've heard uh, and drawing out some of the threads. And, and Brian did the heavy lifting, and so he's going to guide most of that conversation. But we would love to have some feedback from you guys as well. Uh, and so uh, we'll put the uh, Slido room number up in just a moment. And uh, that way you guys will be able to give us some feedback. Maybe there was something that stuck out to you. Maybe there's a question. Maybe you were like, hey, this, this speaker was awesome. Or here's a comment I wanted to talk some more about. Uh, and so as we, we share a few things, uh, it may jog your memory just a little bit. So our slider room number for tonight is 794159 uh, on your web browser at slido.com. And Brian and I will monitor that. Uh, and uh, we'll jump into those questions and comments in a little bit. But it's just kind of a chance for us to have a good time uh, remembering the things we've learned and uh, walk through some key scripture texts tonight. So uh, let me start us with a word of prayer, and then we will we'll jump in. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Uh, thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Uh, thank you for, as uh, God, we're studying on Sunday mornings the book of Ruth, that we can see how your hand works in everyday uh, situations. So God, thank you for um, everybody who's been a part of this semester. Uh, God, how you're working uh, in and through the lives of many of our members, God, to, to make your gospel known. And as we'll talk about tonight, every single one of us in this room has a part to play in your kingdom uh, and in your church. And so, uh, God, thank you uh, for the opportunity to use the gifts, the time, the passion, the talent that you've given us uh, to, to make the name of Jesus known and to advance your kingdom. And so tonight, as we kind of look back over the semester and uh, consider some of the themes and, and truths that you've taught us, I pray that it helps crystallize those so that we can carry those uh, uh, God, into the future as we consider what you have for us as a church. Uh, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, as Brian and I were kind of looking back through the semester, there were kind of four, uh, four major themes that emerged. So you can write these down, not write these down, put them in your phone, whatever. We're going to spend a little bit of time with each of these tonight. But one of the themes that emerged was the reality of our faith. Um, why we believe what we believe uh, and how, uh, you know, what we have discovered and continue to discover in realms like archaeology and science and physiology uh, continue to reinforce um, the, the, the reality of our faith. When we went through the Gospel of Luke, um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that Luke says is, I'm writing this so that you may be more certain of what you believe, so that you may know with certainty uh, and so certainly uh, our friends have shared some things that help us to stand on that certainty of faith. Uh, the other thing that we've looked at consistently is how are we to be the church to the world? Uh, and so one of those questions Brian's asked every week, right, is, is how does this help us witness uh, to the world? And so that's one of the themes that we've looked at. Uh, another key thread was raising up leaders uh, in the church. As I look around this room, a lot of you are key leaders uh, in the life of our church. And we know that's part of why you come on Wednesday, so that you can uh, be equipped, so that you can grow and learn. Um, but it's been encouraging to hear how God is raising up leaders here in Middle Tennessee for church multiplication um, uh, and ultimately to the ends of the earth, really, uh, as some of our friends have shared. And then last but certainly not least, and this is uh, very appropriate, uh, Ryan kicked us off with this idea uh, of, of what, what takes place, the worldview that we give the next generation, but the foundation of the home. Uh, and its importance in the development of our faith, and, and especially as that relates to the next generation. And so uh, because we are an intergenerational church, uh, grateful for that reality, uh, that's something that we want to continue to draw out, highlight, find ways to strengthen and reinforce. Because um, as I've, I've shared with you before, there are only two institutions that God ordained, the home and the church. Um, everything else has its purpose and its place, but ultimately those are the two that God ordained. And you can argue the government, right? Um, but in its truest sense, that is to protect 
to the church and the home so they can function the way that God intended them to. Um, and so, so the reality for us is we want to always be looking at how we connect the dots between what God does in our homes, the foundation, the building blocks, which then we weave into churches uh, to carry out the mission of the kingdom. So we're going to kind of spend some time looking at some key scriptures uh, that walk through those four big buckets tonight uh, and talk about those and, as well as a few takeaways for us. So Brian, uh, yeah, take it away. <laughs> sure. And I, I kind of cheated. So what I did was basically assembled all the scripture that all the speakers have, have, have done. And we're going to kind of walk back through that and, and see it, right? And that kind of tended to come toward the end of the talk. And what I'd like to do is start with the scripture and then walk back out to kind of the subject area, right? And the, and the first thing, and when we talk about the reality of our faith, that really is where Steve Ortiz, right, and Joe Malone fall. Right, Steve, Steve was the archaeologist. Joe is the physiologist, right? They've got PhDs in science, Right? And they do science on science's terms. Right? They don't do Christian science in whatever sense that is. They do science. They happen to be Christians. Right? And so does that affect how they see things? Absolutely. Does that affect the science that they do? Not at all. Right? And, and, and um, Steve's, Steve's passage was 2 Peter 1.16. Right? For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we were made known to the, you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. And what's interesting, right, when we went through the, when we were going through the Bible last year, 1 Peter was written to defend the body, right, the church, from the threats outside the body. 2 Peter was written to protect the church from the threats inside the body. Mm-hmm. Where does the scripture come from? Second Peter. Mm-hmm. To defend us from the threats inside the body. That we do not follow cleverly defined myths. That's not a problem for the world assaulting. That's the problem for people inside the church following cleverly devised myths as opposed to the gospel in Jesus Christ. And what's, and what's so cool, right, is this section of Scripture for, as Peter is expressing his credentials as an eyewitness to Christ. And not only that, but his eyewitness confirms the Scripture that's written. Right? His eyewitness, so what Peter has seen, what Peter has done, what Peter has lived, confirms the reality of Scripture. What did, what did Steve Ortiz find? Right? He found, I don't know if you remember when he said his, his greatest discovery was in Arizona, his wife, which I continue to give him kudos. Okay, I, that was smooth. That, that was smooth. smooth. That's, a, that's you, know, you the man. But what his second greatest discovery was, right, was that rock that he pulled up. And when he pulled it up, right, the head of the, the, head of the, the museum in Jerusalem was there with him, and he said, that rock's got two lines of writing on it. And the guy was like, you, you know, it, it's a miracle to find a scrap with a letter, right, in archaeology. A miracle to find a scrap. He found... He, he washed it off. Sure, there's two lines that confirm the order of the kings of Philistia list, listed in Scripture. On a rock that Steve dug up in the middle of nowhere in, in Israel. Right on the border of Judah and, and Philistia. Isn't that wild? And so Steve, performing archaeology, real hard archaeology on archaeologist terms, confirms Scripture. Right, we saw Joe Malone, right? Joe's, Joe's passage was uh, Proverbs 1-7, and which is wonderful, right? Because that's the opening of, the, of Proverbs wisdom literature, right? And it says, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And, and so Joe, right, when you, when you take that, he didn't have anything to fear going out into the scientific field, 
right? He saw the sexuality, the issues of sexualities in young women in college with promiscuity and how much it was just destroying their souls. And he knew that as a Christian, right? We know why that's happening because that's against God's design. But he said, I wonder if I go look through science, can I prove this? And he wasn't trying to prove Christianity, but he said, what does physiology say? And so shocking, right? So Joe fearlessly, because we don't have to be afraid of science. Amen? Right? It's God's design, right? Science is just working out God's design. We're not, we're not afraid of science. Science isn't going to discover anything God didn't put there, right? God's not going to be surprised like, whoops, I didn't mean for him to look under that rock, <laughs> right? I mean, so, so Joe, did, Joe did physiology, right, a PhD in physiology, and confirmed that shockingly the way human beings are designed to couple is in long-term monogamous relationships between a man and a woman. Shocking. It's like that was written a few thousand years ago, right? But Joe did it in science on science's terms. He, he, he speaks at scientific conferences, right? Science on science terms. We meet the world on their terms. That's fine. That's kind of what Benjamin was saying a little bit last week, right? We let, let people speak in their terms. Meet them on, because we don't have anything to be afraid of, right? God's got this. God designed this. God knows this. Right? And so you see that fearlessness right? that they, that they went in and, and proclaiming and watching how science confirmed what was in their heart, right? what they knew from Scripture. Yeah, I went to a Christian college, and one of the things that they drilled in us from a very early, early time was this idea that all truth is God's truth. You know? And so in whatever field, whatever discipline, whatever research that you're going to explore, you're in essence thinking God's thoughts after him. Right. You, know, you are simply discovering the trail that he has left. Um, sadly, that's not the way many of our educational institutions think or act today. Um, because as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there, there is a belief system that I would label scientism, right? There are people who have made science their idol, their God, and, and, and just like any other belief system, they are as adhered to that uh, as, as, you know, as we are to our Christian faith. Uh, and so we have to be able to recognize the difference between the two. Uh, and, and recognize that uh, science is a servant, right, of the Word of God, uh, and that uh, the more we uncover, the more we discover on a consistent basis the, the things that God's Word say to be valid and true. Um, part of what, to kind of give you a peek at what we're praying about for the future and thinking about, um, the Lord, I've been sharing this with Brian, has been very clear, you know, with this idea, this word equip, mm. because I really do believe we are in an era, it's always been the case, but specifically now, in which we need to continue uh, to do the best job we can as a church at equipping the saints, right, so that the body of Christ is built up. Mm. And, and so that's to equip you in, in all areas, as we'll talk about, using your gifts, using your talents, but certainly developing your minds to the fullness of, of, of their potential and capability so that we are able to engage in conversation with people uh, who have believed in, in lesser gods, people who have believed in um, you know, various belief systems. We're, we're going to have to you know, more and more see our churches as forward operating bases in our communities uh, that God has placed here so that we can come, be equipped, become, be, be certain and more sure of what we believe, and then go out of these these walls to engage people, as Benjamin told us last week, right? And then and then ideologies, and if and only if necessary, the, the labels, you know, or the stereotypes that are out there. But but the reason, uh, part of the reason that God gives us one another, and part of the reason I think that God has given us these kind of people in the life of our church, 
is to equip us uh, for what we're going to face and the opportunities that we have. Uh, and we certainly want to be intentional with the next generation as well. And so we have, some of you may not know this, we have a scope and sequence. So like what we teach our students, what they're learning over there on this side of the building. I know when I close those doors, you know, right, there's all this noise that just gets bottled up over there. But after they, they have their large group time, sixth graders, they have a certain subject that they're studying. Seventh graders builds on that. Eighth graders were intentional with what material we teach because there's a certain fundamental you know, set of principles and truths we want them to grasp and understand about the Christian worldview before they leave our student ministry uh, and go to, to college or go off uh, to find their place in the world. So uh, that's that's one thing we want to continue to build on as a church in the days ahead. Absolutely. And most universities were, were founded on Christian faith. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, and the yeah. word university, right, means unity in diversity. That's right. And so they had to have something that brought all of these subjects together. Yeah, most people have no idea that, that universities functionally, right, move against their title. Right. Because the idea of a university is, is that we study all of these disciplines under the unity of God's truth. Right. They actually function like multiversities now, right? right. right? With a multiple a set of worldviews. Yeah, pan, <laughs> paniversities would actually be a much better title, but a lot of people don't realize that. Right. And, that, and that's why in these, what's why when we equip our kids, they don't have anything to fear there, right? We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but they, there's nothing to be afraid of in science. There's nothing to be afraid of, right? All that, like, I love that. It's, it's subservient to God, right? All of that is subservient to God, subservient to our faith. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that just awesome? Um, yeah, and that's what I said, you know, Steve, you know, Joe and Steve get to proclaim the gospel in light of scientific facts, right? Not in lieu of, in light of. And that's a really, really clear distinction. That's, that's a really, really cool distinction, right? In light of scientific facts. I just think that's fabulous. Hey, sorry. All right. Um, second section was the, the church in the world, and that's really John Renee Cook, right? Every girl counts. That was just, I, I don't know, that was just awesome to me. So they, they start off, you know, we're going to adopt because that's really the, the best way we can do this. And they end up with this ministry that educates girls on the other side of the world. Right, a uh, hundred, hundred twenty, and, and growing. I mean, and and they came out of Luke one through one, one through fifteen. That's the story. We won't read the whole thing, right? But that was where, right? Jesus came up to the fishermen. He told them put out their nets on the on the. They've been out all night, hadn't caught anything. Put out the nets. They got more, right? More abundance than they could possibly possibly pull in. They had to send out other boats. Um, and and then uh, and Peter. And so we get Peter's reaction, right? Simon Peter saw it fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, and the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Right? And that's, that's what John and Renee talked about, that they were called and they, they left everything. Right? To, to follow him. And, and so Renee asked, what, what are you giving up? Right? What, what, what is God calling you to give up to do, the, to do these ministries? Right? The, other, the other thing that, came, that struck me out of that was abundance. And that strikes me out of that story in Luke, right? Is that you will never know abundance until you say yes to Jesus. Right? Whatever you think the world can give you, whatever security, whatever prosperity, whatever, right? None of that is, it counts as anything compared to the abundance that you get from Christ by saying yes to Christ. And that's what we saw these fishermen demonstrate, right? They were like, if you can, if you can provide this kind of abundance when I'm fishing, 
Right? Imagine what you can do in my life. Yeah. Right? And that's what we saw in John and Renee, right? And they just faithfully, not that there weren't hard times, not that they weren't right, swindled out of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just, just some tragic stories. Of, but yeah. the Lord used that to renew and restore, right? To put them in the public schools, right? They had a private school where they could, again, only function in a small area. And all of a sudden now they're ministering in public schools. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful that is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun one because, you know, we have got to have, we've had the opportunity to have as a church a front row seat, really, to watch the, that ministry, you know, birth from an idea uh, into, okay, here's, here's how we think this should function. Then uh, what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls the blessed disillusionment, right? <laughs> we all have this idea in our head of this thing, um, you know, that we feel God calls us to do or to be a part of. He, he references that, you know, talking about Christian community. We all have this picture of the ideal Bible study or the ideal church in our mind. And this is my, my version of, of what he says, which is much more eloquent, right? Uh, translated from German. But the bottom line is, he's like, and then you show up at church and you have to deal with these people, right? Like, like in other words, that God, God will shatter that, that ideal so that you learn to love the people you're really around. And sometimes when God gives us a vision or gives us a plan, right, he will allow that to be shattered so that we will really minister to the people and the opportunity that's in front of us. And, and that's a tough lesson, and that is a journey. And I can tell you, yeah, tears and from walking with John and Renee over the years. And I was there uh, at the dinner in East Africa in Kenya where one of our IMB missionaries basically looked at John and Renee and said, I love your heart. I have never seen in 17 years in East Africa what you're describing work. And that's a tough wow. moment, right? Wow. I mean, they've raised thousands of dollars. They have put their heart and soul into this. They've built a board and a website. And, and to hear something like that, but, but that says something about the character of a person right. to decide. Well, okay, then I'm going to do it my way. You know, that's Peter in this moment. Jesus, we fished all night. Night. We're fishermen. We know what we're doing. It's easy to say, well, we know what we're doing, setting up a nonprofit. And instead they listened. They adapted. And instead of reaching a smaller number of girls, they're now reaching a much larger number of girls and impacting multiple more families right, teachers you know, and- through, through that opportunity. So I, I love that story. Yeah. And I knew God was in that trip when I was over there, by the way, because my name's Jay. But the other guys I was with, Peter, James, and John. I'm not even joking, right? Those are those are the other guys. I was like, I'm I'm good, right? I'm, I'm hanging with the disciples on this trip, uh, but it really was an incredible experience. And and I do hope wow. as as Africa opens, some of you will consider going with them uh, on one of the mission journeys because that's one of the ones we take every year is to partner with Every Girl Counts and uh, to just get to see the joy in these students. Mm-hmm. Uh, they live in Kibera. That is the second largest slum in the world. And so they have these little tin houses, but they are so grateful for what they have and the opportunity they have. And they're so excited to share what they learn, the Bible stories they they learn with their family members and and others. Um, It is a really incredible opportunity to just just see firsthand like what what God is doing. Uh, and how the gospel and how your giving dollars are making right. a difference. That's just praise God. That's just awesome. See, and if you just had Mary, you could have had a folk group. <laughs> That's, That's right. Nice That's right. Um, all right. So leaders in the church, right? And when that was really Fadi, uh, Sergey, and Leon, right? And 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 Fadi, uh, Fadi's passage was First Corinthians nine uh, nineteen through twenty three. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all 
and that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not, my, not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Right? And that that what that's and that's the end, right? That's kind of the peak of, of a passage where Paul says, Look, I've got all these rights that I've given up. Right? Am I the only one that doesn't get to get a wife? Am I the only one that doesn't have to take an income? Right? And and he says, but he gives he gives it up so that nothing may stand as an obstacle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right back in verse 16 it says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. In verse 18, it says, What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Right? And in this passage, right, he's becoming all things to all people. Right? So this is done broadly. Right? We engage all things. And Fadi's raising up people in 93 people groups here, and he's raising up leaders within the group. So it's not this, right? It, it, the church has some, you know, kind of the, the, the imperial feel to it, right? Where we'll send our people over and then raise them up. And it, we, we have to raise, and we found that to be much less effective in missions as opposed to raising up leaders within the people groups. And so now the people groups have come to us, yeah. right? We don't, we don't have to go get them. They're, they're here now. And so we do it broadly, and I love we do it intentionally. If you go on down that passage, Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. And what we see in Fadi, right, is, is he is intentionally engaging every people group you can find. And by the way, people groups that are kind of sub-people, we've talked about, you know, there are cultures in small town Tennessee that when they see the name Brent, I'm from Tullahoma, which is a small town in Tennessee, and when we see the name Brentwood, we think a certain thing that's not particularly pleasant, right? About big city people, right? And, and, but that's just an engagement. But those are a people group. And so as we look to plant, one of the things Fadi talks about, as we learn, right, look to plant in some smaller towns or engage churches in smaller towns, we're going to need to overcome that just like we overcome a language barrier, mm-hmm. right? Just like we overcome a culture barrier. We become all things to all men. Yeah. And I just love, I love just the work he's doing in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a couple updates there. One is uh, Fadi uh, was our interim uh, multiplication minister. He is now our full-time multiplication minister. Uh, And so that's happened uh, in just the past month. And so uh, he's going to continue to be uh, working uh, with our church and all eight of our campuses and congregations about how we partner to plant, to revitalize, to uh, minister to, uh, you know, uh, com- communities and churches uh, in, in the entire region and beyond. And, um, and God has given him a, a really unique ability. One of the phrases Brian, lo- Brian loves is spirit-led order. Yes. Uh, and so Fadi to me is the embodiment of that spirit in a lot of ways uh, that uh, the Lord has just given him a, a unique ability to sense where the spirit's leading. Um, and that guy's all over town, a little bit like the Holy Spirit. It's he, a little interesting. Honestly, because like on a Sunday morning, he'll be seven places at the same time, um, which it, what it really means is he's putting a lot of miles on his car. But he he does have a unique perspective that he is able to find people of peace 
uh, and connections all over town and help our churches connect in meaningful ways. Uh, you are going to be hearing from him here at Station Hill on Sunday, uh, May the 30th. Uh, so it's my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, so we're going to be in Illinois. So Fadi's going to preach to us and so um, on that weekend. And so uh, he's going to be casting vision for, uh, for what God wants us to do because um, I really am convicted that uh, as you, you look, uh, you all have come back to church faster than we thought you would after the pandemic. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our, our seats are, are rapidly approaching capacity. And so uh, we're going to be looking at how we multiply, just like uh, we launched Grove Hill. We're going to be looking for opportunities in the area uh, in the near future. Future. So be praying and thinking about that uh, and the role that God would have you play uh, as a part of that. And Fadi's going to help cast that vision for us uh, on May the 30th. But uh, it was really, really encouraging to hear from him. And uh, man, if you just want to sit down with him, he's so, so small and yet so packed full of oh, yeah. biblical wisdom and insight. And it's just really fun to, to be in dialogue. With oh, yeah. we, went, we went to lunch after, after he spoke here. We were there for two hours, 15 minutes. And that was one of the most biblically filled lunches I've ever had. And just going through discussions on how the how the Holy Spirit's moving in the area, how the engages people groups. I love that finding people of peace, right among among those people groups, because that's where we've got to connect and engage. It, it just all just all inspiring, to be perfectly honest. And then we, then we had uh, then we had Sergey, right, and, and from born in born in the USSR, um, and he and he brought to us Ephesians four eleven through sixteen, and I also taught from that a, a few weeks later, right. And he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain. Uh, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so it builds itself in, up in love, right? And we have particular, he spoke about we have particular roles in the kingdom, right? And nobody fills all these roles. And one of the things is he leads, right? He's, he's developing churches in the 12 time zones in the USSR. How many time zones are there? 24. Russia span, the former USSR spans half of them. It's crazy. I mean, is that nuts? And he's raising up churches on half the planet, right? That, that's just kind of crazy. But, but what, and what he said, right, is we need a plurality of leaders, right? A plurality of people and a plurality of gifts to serve the kingdom. We also need a diversity of leaders, right? You can be plural. You can have lots of people that are all the same. And that's not how God designed the kingdom to work. Right? We need a diversity of leaders, a diversity of people, a diversity of gifts to serve the kingdom. And that's how he's planting churches across there. Yeah. Right? And that's God, God's plan for his people to mature. That's what we just read. right? And we see Sergey maturing believers into leadership in those positions. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, no, just one of the, the things I was going to point out was, you know, when we say raising up leaders, a lot of people read Ephesians 4 and they think, that's great, Jay. We pay you and the staff, right, to do that. 
It's not what Paul is talking about. At all. He's talking about all of us. This is, to me, the we are the church passage. Yeah. And so one of the things I love that Sergei has developed is, yes, they are equipping and training pastors in 12 time zones. But also, did you catch, they now have 90 tra- training programs. They call it School Without Walls, in which they are raising up young Christian professionals to go as salt and light, as lawyers, as, as doctors, you know, into these fields. And in particular, some of those former Soviet countries, as you know, are predominantly Muslim. And so they can't have, you know, public churches. They can have underground church, obviously, and house churches. Uh, and that's the way they function. But in other words, even those barriers, predominantly Muslim countries, are not stopping them from, from training up believers. And that's exactly what Ephesians 4 is about. Right. There are some. Our role as staff in, in our church is to equip you so that the body is built up. I've often told our staff that, you know, our job is not to do all of the ministry. Our job is to equip you to do the ministry. Right. Do we minister? Absolutely, because we have to model that because we're followers of Jesus, just like you are. But that's one of the biggest mistakes that the traps that churches fall into, especially as they grow. They hire more staff. You know, you're the professionals. We'll leave it to you. Well, no, 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 no. Nobody, nobody gets to be spectators in the, in the church of Jesus Christ. You're all participants. And so one of the things, and we'll come back to this, but is that, you know, these folks that we've put in front of you are, are believers just like you guys right. are. We're all in this together as part of the kingdom. And so they have a unique platform and unique ministries, ways that God is using them. Uh, But we also always want to be careful. Don't put pastors, don't put professors, don't put missionaries on a pedestal in that sense. Because our role is just like yours. We're simply to walk out the calling that God has entrusted to us. And each of us has to do our own uh, own job in the kingdom. But it's stunning to me. I mean, I just, I, I you know, honestly, I just, I sat here in just in awe of Sergei's stories because as a kid who grew up in the Cold War, right. you know, like these were the, the stories you heard about, right. but you, you know, you didn't think you'd ever meet a guy like that, much let alone have a guy like that, you know, as a part of our church who's having such tremendous, you know, kingdom impact half a world away. And you think about how that crosses what Steve talked about, right? Where he would be invited, because he's an archaeologist, Right. He would be invited into countries Christians can't go into. That's right. Right. And he would start a dig and he'd go, oh, yeah, well, I need my crew, which happened to be Christians in the other country. (laughs) But that's his digging crew. And so all of a sudden, all of these Christians within their culture come in and start digging. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what all this reminds me of? The book of Acts. It is. Like, right? Because the book of Acts shouldn't be called the Acts of the Apostles, as it says. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because it's all about how the Holy Spirit was always overcoming barriers to the gospel. And and that's what a lot of these folks are doing, right? They are finding ways to, to get the light to the dark. They're finding ways, right, to partner with the Spirit, get with what He's doing, you know. And sometimes, again, as we're going to talk about this Sunday from the book of Ruth, you take the step, right, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. Like, right. we, we have to be faithful to do our part, but, man, God's already way ahead of us right. in these opportunities. And that's what makes my heart beat fast. And that's that Spirit-led order, right? If, if, you'll, if you will accept the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit, and just put things in order behind what He does— Right. That's a that's one. It's unbelievably freeing. Mm-hmm. Right. In ministry. And two, yeah. it, it just it everything works when we try to control the path. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of like we're talking with John and Renee. Right. If, you, if you're yep. trying to control, but they didn't control it. They said, OK, Holy Spirit, what are you going to do? Yeah. What do you want to happen? And we'll put it in order behind that. Yeah. Yeah. As many of you know, in my own testimony, my very first small group Bible study ever was Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God when I was a junior in high school. And man, the perspective that that gives you, it's not, here's my agenda, God, now you bless it. It's, 
let me say, where is God at work in the world? And let me join him in that. You know, and what we've discovered, again, is that God's at work in all kinds of amazing ways. You know, in just the handful of people that we've been able to put in front of you. And that's why we love to hear your stories, too, how God's at work in your life. Well, one of the things, one of the other things, when, when we, came to, we came to Brentwood Baptist, the campus in Brentwood, first about 20, gosh, 20 years ago at this point. And um, one of the things that attracted us was, was Mike from the podium would say, okay, when you come to us with a ministry idea, we're going to say, that is fantastic. How can we help you do that? Right? Because, because that's what meant. If the Lord's calling you to do that, he's calling you to directly engage the people and directly engage the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing that replaces that, right? There's, there's nothing that replaces your engagement with both the people that you minister to and the Holy Spirit's work in and through you, right? Because it changes you in ways you can't even conceive right? as he works in and through you in ministry. Yeah. It's, just, it's just awesome. And also that's one of my favorite gut checks is when somebody comes up and is like, I got this great idea for ministry, right? And what they're really saying is, is pastor, we want you to do this. <laughs> so the question is, is great. How can we help, help you, you? Right. right? So right. accomplish what God has put on your heart. Yeah, and, it, and it's awesome. Well, and it, yeah, that's all we can go, that's a long, <laughs> long we, can, we can preach a long time on that. Um, all right, so uh, Leon, and Leon is raising up leaders right within the church. And I love the two passages, right? Matthew 20 and 28, and, and that one ends right with, with Jesus called them and said, you know, Know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, as even, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and gave his life as a ransom for many. Right? In 1 Peter 1, 5, 1 through 3. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Right and, and, and so right, to be great, we must be servants, right? We must, the first among us must be slaves. But and why do we do that? Because Jesus did it. And so who do we follow, right? These shepherds that exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God has, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering, but as examples. And what does that sound like, right? When, when you, what you follow are people who, uh, the, a great leader leads in the interest of those who follow him, Right? That he will work or she will work in the best interest of those that follow, even to the detriment of themselves. And I was telling Jay, I was reading through that. I was reading through Frederick, Frederick Beekner, who is, is one of my favorite authors. I'm not completely, he's mainline, uh, mainline instead of evangelical, so I'm not completely congruent with his theology. But he, he writes in just stunningly beautiful ways. And in his definition of love, one of the things he says is, in a Christian sense, love is not primarily an emotion but an act of will. When Jesus tells us to love our neighbors, he's not telling us to love them in the sense of responding to them with a cozy emotional feeling. You can, you can as easily produce a cozy emotional feeling on demand as you can a yawn or a sneeze. On the contrary, he is telling us to love our neighbors in the sense of being willing to work for their well-being, even if it means sacrificing our own well-being to that end, even if it means sometimes just leaving them alone. 
Thus, in Jesus' terms, we can love our neighbors without necessarily liking them. In fact, liking them may stand in the way of, uh, of loving them by making us overprotective sentimentalists instead of reasonably honest friends. Hmm. And what I thought about with that leadership is find, shepherd, find a shepherd that loves you. Hmm. Right? Those are the leaders we follow. Those are the ones, those are the people that are godly leaders. And when you, when I've watched leaders both in, in organizations and, and in the church that I, that I have followed and respected, those are the way they've made decisions, right? Is to the greater good, right? To a good outside of themselves. And that's what Leon builds leaders like. I mean, you've been under his tutelage. I've been under his tutelage and he builds leaders that, that tend the flock. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I love about his approach, right, is, is that he's conversing with all the leadership, you know. Mumbo jumbo. Yeah, yes. literature and all the things, but he always goes back to the Word of God. Right. Always exactly. draws it back to those principles. And, and what a different model, you know, that on the surface, you know, you hear the word leadership and you always think the CEO and the out front, and yet you, you, you get to the, the bottom of it every time and you find the example of Jesus, right? Yep. The, the servant yep. leadership, the shepherd motif. Uh, and that's so hard sometimes for people to try to get their head, their head and their mind around. Um, but it's biblical. And when you follow, you understand, as, as, as it says here in First Peter, you're following the great shepherd. Right. Right. Well, then you realize, well, we're all just what? Under shepherds. Right. <laughs> and, and that simplifies yes, things. You know? Absolutely. You know, as Leon points out, Jesus continually said, I do what I see the father doing. Right. So as leaders... Jesus is the all-time best leader. What do we do? We act like him, right? And when we do, so again, it can seem, you know, there's countless books written on leadership and countless seminars and all these things. But when you simplify it, it comes down to these type of biblical principles. And that's what I appreciate because, again, the leadership talent that is in the church is unbelievable. Uh, You guys know my story, right? I grew up in a little corner of Cornfield County, South Central Illinois. Great people, right? But, but, but they didn't have the leadership acumen. They, they didn't have a mind to say, here are the things that God could do, right, in and through us. And so, you know, I, I continue to look at you guys and I think, man, the leadership potential that God has placed in our church. Jesus picked 12 and they changed the world. And you look at how many people are connected to our church and your gifts and your talents. And I think if we can continue to build on these kind of principles, you know, the way that the Lord will multiply that to bless others, because that's one of Leon's big principles, right? That leadership is a form of stewardship. Amen. Whatever God has given you responsibility for, whether it's your household, whether it's some employees that you supervise, whether it's a, a nonprofit that you volunteer, whatever he's given you leadership over, you are called to be a steward of that, a shepherd of those people and those opportunities. And they, they may not seem big to you, you know, big or small, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we're faithful. Amen. And we trust that God will use that to advance his kingdom you know, in significant ways. Yeah, and that's just all. And, that, and that's the whole key, right? We don't know what the big and small opportunities are. That's right. right? We don't see things the way God sees them. And so you don't know you don't know whether what you're doing is monument in worldly terms monumentally important or 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 just important in narrow ways because they're equally important, right? It all advances the kingdom, and that's just, it's just awesome. I'm sorry, yeah, we could we could go on on that for. And then the the last one is the home as a foundation. Ryan did a, did a fantastic job, right, kicking us off with Deuteronomy and really Deuteronomy six. And I've I've at different points in my life had most, if not all, of Deuteronomy memorized. It's it's probably my 
One of my favorite, it's hard to say, the whole New Testament's probably my favorite book, but Deuteronomy holds a special place in my heart. And, and Deuteronomy 6 in particular, the Shema, right, about how you build a home, how you build a house, right? When you, you, you etch that into your kids, you take a hammer and a chisel and you etch that into your children, right? And that is a difficult, long tedious often process, right? But it's, it's, you know, and people would ask our family, do we have a devotional? It's like life is a devotion, right? Everything, that's why you put a box on your head and a box on your hand. Everything you see and everything you touch is, 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 in the context, I like to say tainted, and Rachel hates that word because she thinks it's negative, but you know what I mean, right? It's, it's that through the lens of God's heart that we see everything we see and we touch everything we touch through the lens of God, right? And that's what he just did. You just did such a brilliant job of how you steward that in a home, how you bring that about. Because when your children come and ask you, right, I love the end of Deuteronomy 8, right, why we do this, you say because, see, we were slaves in Egypt, Right. Remember, remember to tell them what you were saved from. Right. And God is wonderful, glorious. Right. But remember that you, we were slaves in Egypt and the mighty hand of God saved us. Right. And that's what we have our children. That's the framework and basis we have for our kids. But it, it's just magnificent. Well, and, and it's this idea. And again, it circles back to the very first thing we were talking about tonight, that, that, that all of life. Right. Is about pointing to God's truth. Right. All of life. And yeah. so, so Deuteronomy 6, you talk about these things first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Absolutely. As you sit at home and as you walk along the road. And, and I somehow grew up, and I'm sure it was taught in my church, but I missed it. I grew up with this idea that church is what we do on Sundays and Wednesday nights. And then there's the rest of my life. And it really took me until my junior, senior year of high school to realize that that was a false dichotomy, right? No, it's, it's all disciple making. It's all life. Right. And what we do in our homes, you know, whether it's the entertainment that we consume or the money we spend things on or how we choose to spend our time, all of those things are making disciples, right? All of those things are pointing our children and our grandchildren, you know, to either to Christ or, or distracting from Christ. Right. And so it's such a, such a beautiful passage and it's such, it's such a value that needs to be recovered in the church today Absolutely. because we are tempted to do the same thing, right? Make this false divide between sacred and secular. Right, and, it, and, it, and it's all sacred, right? That's right. All moments, right? That's another Frederick Buechner, right? In, in the end, all moments are key moments and life itself is grace. Right. And, and that, that's what it comes down to. And then Elisa, right, with the purity of the gospel, right? Jude, the third verse of Jude, right? Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. In Galatians 1.8, right? But even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach you another a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And so we, right, we've got to contend for the true gospel because even we even see churches... Yep. Right, perverting the gospel, putting things in the gospel, and 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 Elisa does such a great job against progressive. The thing that and it, it caused me to pause. It actually, when Benjamin was listening to the podcast, caused him to pause the podcast and and pray. When she said, "You know, I grew up in the church," she said, "I," and she was wholehearted. Right, this was not forced external compliance. She was all in. She got to 27 years old and came to a pastor that asked her questions she could not answer. That we as the church failed. We as the church failed to equip her so that when those false accusations were made, when those things were brought to her, she didn't have anything to stand on. And that just, that both, that just, 
it, it continues to give me chills. That is just a chilling thought to yeah. me. Yeah, one of the things, to your point earlier about Second Peter, right, as we read through the Bible as a church last year, you know, and again, as pastor, my, my MO is to break it down into the Greek, and that, you know, and I really tried to, like, stay high level and read it through as we read it through as a congregation to see the themes. And if you've ever quickly read through the New Testament, one thing that you come away with is, my goodness, how many false teachers are there, right? <laughs> Have you all seen, you know, and then yeah. you start to think about the very issues we're facing in the church today. That's right. And yes, Satan will always attack the church from without. Right. But again, the gospel is often weakened, you know, as, as, as churches are deceived from within. Right. And so we That's have right. to be vigilant. So like we have to watch and, 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 you know, again, you know, we're not being paid promotional, you know, <laughs> fees to promote her book. But if, if you, if you haven't read it, another guy, you need to read it. You need to put it in the hands of some of your family members because what we're seeing, right, is I think deception on the part of the enemy to make these things sound like historic Orthodox Christianity, but they're not. Right. You know, these these false gospels, you know, the, the political gospel, the personal gospel, the prosperity gospel, all of these things come cloaked in light and they use words and Bible verses and, you know, things that sound just like things we're all familiar and comfortable with, but but subtly, right, they, they're pulling us away from the true gospel. That's right. And so, you know, it's really important that, that we equip ourselves to be able to know a, a false gospel when we see one. That's exactly uh, right. and, and, and to be able to identify the ways that the enemy is really working, not only from without, but also within many of our churches. Well, and the notion of purity, right, that was, that was in her... Um that was that's in kind of her ministry and her in her presentation and and knowing what the pure gospel is, right? And then and then we come to last week ben, and we'll put Benjamin in the class of that home and um, the feedback and I've and I've been very uh, yeah, I don't know it's it's very it's okay it, you can be a proud dad you I did know. well thank you it's it kind of over I mean this is my kid so I, I don't know but we've gotten a lot of very positive feedback from from y'all we're we're very thankful the the couple of things that that really reson seem to resonate. Or when he said, what I learned at home, I practice at Princeton. That's good. And, and the way we, and we very intentionally, and, you can, and you've walked through our, our, as our, we've raised our kids. Y'all, I mean, we've got families in here that have walked through with us as we've, we've raised our kids. We have, to the best of our ability, intentionally ingrained the gospel into their soul. And that does not mean that they will turn out believers, by the way. Right? It's not a formula. Right, praise be to God. Both of my sons have accepted Christ, and that we've seen manifestations of the Holy Spirit in their life. We are very, very thankful. But that's the grace of God. That's not my action. That's not our parenting. That's not anything. We were obedient in our parenting, but God's grace is what saved them, just like God's grace is what saved me, right? And so what we see, what we saw, right, was what's what's in the home is what he practiced, and the other was that that kind of steps for engaging, I guess, framework, right, for engaging culture. To engage the person, then you engage the idea, and if if you know, only if necessary, engage the label, and that's so critical because you watch so many. And I was kind of taking that framework, and you go out to social media and things, and you watch people take labels and dismiss whole groups of people just with a label on all sides. By the way, on on. Christians, non-Christians, right, left, activists, past, right, they all group people into a label and dismiss them. And, and what Benjamin and I always talk about, you know, it's, it's a whole lot, it's really easy to dismiss critical theorists. It's a whole lot more difficult to dismiss Jennifer, right, or dismiss Tom. Because once you get to know them and you get to see them and, and you start to understand and then you start engaging the ideas, a relationship forms. 
And you have the opportunity to witness for Christ in that relationship over even secular ideas. How cool is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I always, I always feel like John, John 4 and Jesus' mm-hmm. conversation with the Samaritan woman is such a helpful grid, right? Yeah. So that yeah. he is both compassionate and convictional at the yep. same time. And, and our world has taught us that you can't be those things. And right. I, I disagree because Jesus modeled it, right? You can show love to people and you can stand for what you believe at the same time. As a matter of fact, I'll argue it's the most loving thing you can do to stand for the truth in a relationship, right? But Jesus clearly demonstrated his concern, compassion, dignity yeah. uh, for, you know, that she had in the way that he engaged her uh, instead of a label, right? Because nobody, no, no good Jew would engage a, you know, a Samaritan woman, right. you know, the categories that were there, right, were barriers, but he saw her as a person right. and engaged her and with some hard truth. Right. And right. so it's such, a, such an example for us. And engage the ideas. Yes. Right. He engaged her as a person and then engaged yep. the ideas as we yep. watch that model. Well, and Benjamin, before he was on here, was talking with a radical black activist group for an article he was going to write, then came on, spoke to us, and then spoke to another radical activist group. And the reason they sent Benjamin was because he has the compassion and the demeanor, right, that he can just sit down and he'll talk to you. And in God's grace, and cerebral palsy, by the way, is a blessing in that, which is a stupid thing to say, right? But he's 5'6 and 110 pounds. He walks kind of funny, right? He's one of the least threatening human beings on earth. He's all hair, brains, heart, and feet. He has size 14 <laughs> feet. Hair, brains, heart, and feet. But he, which gives him an ability to engage in people that are typically hostile, right? He finds, he, he doesn't even have to have people of peace. He finds peace with people where there is no peace. And that's an amazing, he's been a peacemaker his whole life, and I've never met peacemakers. I mean, he is ordained from God, blessed, he's, been, he's had anointing on his life, and he is anointed as a peacemaker. And so he can go into very diverse groups. He'll write, art, he wrote articles his freshman year for the paper, and it would be some right, right-wing group protest, you know, demonstrating and a left-wing group counter-demonstrating. Both groups would forward his article and compliment him. <laughs> Right, that, that because he's a peacemaker. He's not trying to do anything but, but engage the person and then engage the ideas. Um, and then I, th- and th- I wanted to kind of think, we'll, we'll kind of go through this a little more rapidly than I expected. Uh, but we, we want to talk about, so what, what do we walk away with, right? And what do we walk away with? And, and, and what we walk away with is as astonishing as all these people are, right? These same gifts are in each of us. The same gifting, the same grace, the same, right? And in, in, in Romans uh, 12, 1 through 8, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, and 1 Corinthians 12, right? It's where, we, where they have the list of the gifts. We, we won't read those through there, but the Lord kind of gave me a, a summary, and I'll just kind of read what we wrote. As, as we present our lives in a living sacrifice, right? That's the beginning of Romans 12. When we present our lives in a living sacrifice, we humbly accept the measure of faith God has assigned. Romans 12, 3b. That measure of faith is expressed differently through each of us, like a body with many parts. Those gifts are used, quote, to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 1 Peter 4, 10. In order that in in everything God may be glorified. All of those gifts are united in the Spirit, right? From 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Remembering that, quote, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Right, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Everyone has something to give. 
right? We all have gifts, just like the fellow church members we interviewed. Your gift is no more or less important and kingdom impactful than theirs. So let's encourage each other to do good, to exercise our gifts and obedience to Christ and to the glory of the kingdom. We must call out the gifts we see in one another, the way we see Christ at work in and through others. That in the end is an important aspect to loving one another well and serving the kingdom faithfully. That's what it means when we say, we are the church, right? And that's what we're here. That's, that's what this whole semester is about is these aren't the exceptions, right? This same grace is in every one of us to make these kind of kingdom impacts. Isn't that just awesome? And isn't it awesome that God gave none of us all the gifts? So we have to work together. That's right. Right. We have to work together. Right. And, and, and you, know, you may not feel like your gift is as important or, or you know, more or less important. It's not. Right. It's critical. One of the things I'm learning as I'm growing older is how important each little aspect of my body is because they're <laughs> failing in cascading ways. And so things that I didn't really realize was like, wow, that was a really important part that's not working anymore. And so, right, but, but that's what you see in the church, right? When you're not exercising your gift in the kingdom's purposes, it hurts the body. Yeah. Well, one of the convicting things, right, about Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, is that if you read the New Testament, you believe, you have to believe, that Christ has given the church everything it needs to accomplish its mission. Amen. So if we are failing, then what's the problem? Right? right. It's us. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's not Christ. He's given us all the resources we need. He's given us the gifts we need. We're either sitting on the sidelines right. and not using those gifts, right? Or some of us are playing out of position, to right. be quite frank. Right. Just like a, a football team. Right. If you try to put the punter in on the offensive line. Right. And you put the wide receiver as a linebacker like you're not going to win any games. And the reality is a lot of us don't know our gifts. We're you know, we're we're sitting on the sidelines. We're, we're not playing our part. Ryan's back there pointing his Miami Dolphin shirt. It's the problem with the Dolphins. Right. <laughs> yeah, For the right. last 10 years. Right. They've drafted, you know, played guys. So so we, we it's a great illustration, but it's helpful yeah. to us to understand that. I, you know, the way that God has knit us together, as you said, Brian, we need one another. Right. We ultimately need Christ. He is the head of the church. Right. But when we function as we're supposed to, and that's what we catch glimpses of, right, in, in some of the stories and the ministries that we talk about, and you've heard, you catch glimpses of, man, when we're fully devoted to, 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 and our hearts are alive to the gospel and to what God can do in and through of it. Again, it's, it's not even about us, right? right. Uh, as you know, my life verse, 1 Corinthians 15, right, 10 and 11, where Paul says, by God's grace, I am what I am, right? Period. That's what we are. But then he says, but I work harder than any of them, right? Because of God's grace, right? I'm not, I'm not working in order to earn his grace, right. but his grace has saved me. It's called me. It's shaped me. It's gifted me. Right. All these things. It's, it's incredible, right? Yeah. And, and so, but but I, don't, I don't lay back and do nothing, right? I work harder than any of them. And then he goes on to say, yet not I, but the grace of God at work within me. Even that is God's grace enabling us to serve and work. And, and, and I love grit and grace, how those things you know, go together. We position ourselves for God to use us. We make ourselves available. And he does more, you know, far more than we could ask or imagine. Well, and God draws together groups like this, right? Who, yeah. who would think that we sit in here Sunday morning next to the world's leading Christian archaeologist? What kind of craziness is that? Right, that, that God brings in these gifted, gifted teachers. And who serves in preschool ministry, by the way, <laughs> right. on Sunday mornings. Right. As, again, the world's leading archaeologist also teaching your three-year-old. Yeah, so that's, that's true. That's just, 
but but again, we all have we all have roles, and when we try to see out of our ear, right, we're generally unsuccessful. Yeah. And you see a lot of churches where the ear has to be the eye and the and the arm, yeah. and it just doesn't work. But but when we take those roles, that was Fadi's uh, Fadi and Sergey both said, right? We are given these different roles, and nobody's supposed to be in all these roles in the church. Mm -hmm. But when we work together, when you see people, we can take care of the poor and the widowed and the sojourner. Right, we can do the things that we're commanded to do, as, and we can, we can faithfully celebrate. And, and there, there will be you know, hope that we see so, so much despair. Right? Benjamin, in the, in the Ivy League schools, there have been three suicides in the last three weeks. Hmm. I mean, as I continue to tell Benjamin, if you flunk out of Princeton, you're still ahead of the other 99.99% of us. Right? That's not an issue. But those kids are so overwhelmed, and they get so locked in, and so much in despair. Because they don't have Christ, they don't have that perspective, right? It just consumes them. Yeah. And do we have some so questions? What opportunity? Yeah. yeah. So I love it. Just uh, the kind of uh, various things. Uh, Leon, uh, a couple of passages. A couple of people wanted clarity on that. Matthew chapter twenty, yep. uh, verses twenty-six through twenty-eight. Uh, yep. That was the passage uh, that Brian read uh, from Leon. And then First Peter chapter five is the the shepherd passage. If you wanted to write that one down. Um, and uh, so that's uh, those a couple of them. Brian's. Uh, how's your arm? Several people asking about Thank your you. arm. Ar arms doing. I love arms. this. They're practicing engaging the person. They See? are engaging They're... the person, and and it's been a year and a half, and my arms are still screwed up. Now my legs screwed up. So we've kind of got a. It's kind of a dueling concert. As I said, things that I didn't realize are important are failing me now, and so it's pretty exciting. It's it's interesting to wake up in the morning and see what does and doesn't function. It's kind of like booting up your computer. You kind of wait to see what turns on. Um, thankfully, most things turned on this morning, so I'm pretty pretty excited. Um, it looks like it'll be a good day. You know, we'll kind of see what happens tomorrow. You know, it's it's all it's all good. But that to be on and and honestly, and that's it. And by the way, thank you very much for your concern on that. I know I know that's kind of becoming a meme among our questioning, but um, that's one of the things I learned from Benjamin. Right, Benjamin is not promised to walk tomorrow. His cerebral palsy is is de degenerative. Right, at some point he may wither. I may, you know you may see me carrying him into church. Right. But that wasn't today, right? One today. And so it might be tomorrow. Don't know. But the Lord's got tomorrow, yeah. right? The Lord goes before us, and he will enable us. And that's kind of what I'm finding with my health, right, as I, as I gracefully or less gracefully age. Yeah. Right? The Lord's got tomorrow, right? Whatever tomorrow is going to bring, the Lord's already there. And, you're, and we're going to be all right, right? We're going to be okay. And it's like Benjamin. We're going to be okay. Yeah. And so you know, that's, that's kind of thank you. Thank you very much for engaging the person and my idea. Good stuff. Uh, who are some other amazing members of our church that God's using in powerful ways that we didn't get a chance to hear from this semester? So, I mean, look around the room. Just start to get to know each other. I'm, I'm not, not even joking. I mean, um, as I look around, you know, I see Lee Harrison up here in the front, who for a long time has served with the North American Mission Board and, man, is a servant leader in every sense of the word. He and a team of guys from our church just recently replaced, uh, as it's kind of a catalyst, was engaged Middle Tennessee Day, but replaced a deck uh, for a young widow. Um, that desperately needed repair, um, you know, and there are, there are people like that in our church doing that stuff that's just as untold. We, we don't have enough time to tell all the great <laughs> stories about the stuff you're doing. Paul and Bonnie Voss are sitting over here. Uh, they, they've traveled for years with campers on mission. 
uh, going around repairing building buildings for Christian organizations and camps. And they've got all kinds of crazy stories about stuff that's happened uh, as they've traveled around. I mean, we could just go around the room. Jim Sexton uh, does a ministry in a prison and uh, disciples and, and, and leads people to Christ. And that dude is passionate about the gospel and gospel conversations. Uh, he's got the t-shirts that even say it, and he's given some to me and I love it. Right. He has one that he gave me, he says, make disciples, not excuses. Right. That's my kind of talk right there. I love it. Um, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, you can just go around our church. One of the interesting things uh, was, was we had some people we invited to be a part who quite frankly are so busy serving. They had a hard time breaking free. Um, and one of the cool things that God's doing right now is, is that, you know, our campus is helping really feed leadership across all eight of our campuses. Yeah. The senior executive pastor for Brentwood Baptist Church is one of our Station Hill members, Stan Breeden. Um, and uh, Stan, a couple years ago, was on our staff resource team. We were having lunch about something else, and Stan was describing to me as associate superintendent of Murray County Schools how he dealt with 23 schools and 23 principals and 23 budgets, and I started saying, hmm, we're looking for an executive pastor to deal with eight campuses and eight pastors and eight budgets and eight, and I was like, that sounds awfully similar, and I knew Stan loved the Lord and had depth. Uh, and so uh, he's in that role and he's doing a great job. So pray for him because yeah. he's influencing everything we do as a church right now. Um, Alan Pulfrey, uh, one of one guy who's my age, right, is chairman of our trustees. Uh, so he is leading our church as we look to the future um, about sig significant ministry opportunities, you know. And so uh, Tiffany McCullough, uh, you know, we're yeah. building a special needs building at the Brentwood campus. Uh, Tiffany McCullough was played violin, a longtime Station Hill member. Uh, and so she runs our special needs ministry and uh, does a great job. And so uh, hopefully we'll get some of them down here at some point in the future. But it's just fun right now to get to see how God is using you guys uh, in our church throughout our region and, and really, really throughout our world. Um, a couple things. Uh, Lee, speaking of Lee, is being very generous. Uh, he found out he can loan out his Kindle version of his Another Gospel book for two weeks. So if anybody's got a Kindle and uh, can, can uh, commit to reading that book in two weeks, Lee is being generous. And he, he is very generous. He's a very generous guy. Um, and then, uh, Brian, here's a comment about letting all of life be filtered through the word. This is good. How about tinted instead of tainted? There we go. And then it's like See? everything bears the colors of the kingdom. kingdom. There we go. Look at this. See? See? This is why you don't want an engineer up here, right? I mostly speak math, okay? So I, could, I would be very comfortable doing everything we're doing in Excel, yeah. okay? And you guys yeah. would be very bored. And then uh, a, a recommendation, uh, Elisa Childers' word. YouTube channel is phenomenal. I was talking yeah. about equipping regularly has great guests on there. Um, yeah, yeah, she has a podcast version of that as well, if you're more of a podcast person. Uh, but uh, again, there, hopefully some of these, these opportunities we've, people would point to point you to helpful resources. Yes. Um, and we can always do that as well. And then um, this one's obviously just for fun, but favorite non-sacred moment this semester, Jay's furry Russian hat. That was spectacular. So, yeah, yeah. That was spectacular. I'm not sure what animal had to die to make that thing happen, but it is, it is warm. I understand why they wear those. <laughs> So I was sweating in about 30 <laughs> seconds, but uh, that, that was pretty fun. Sergey is a, that, that a generous guy. And if we have a, another little ice storm, I, you guys will see that thing again. Uh, I promise. We have to preach outside. If another pandemic, we have to preach outside in the winter. See, you're yeah. equipped now. That's it. With a fuzzy right. hat. That's right. Well, <laughs> let me say this. Um, you know, I know we have one more week to go. Uh, next week, we'll have another guest. But I, I really do. Brian, and I love you guys mm -hmm. um, and your heart for the Lord. And that uh, of all places you could be in the middle of a week that you'd be here with us on a Wednesday night. <laughs> 
Uh, but I do hope, again, a very different semester for us than anything we've ever done before. Uh, but I hope it has been encouraging, enlightening, uh, faith-building. Um, and we hope that, uh, that you've gotten a glimpse into what God's doing and made some connections with people in our congregation. And uh, so we are praying about what we're going to do for the fall. Uh, again, this word equip uh, is kind of the idea that we're rallying around and, and trying to determine the best way to do that. Uh, but uh, pray for us, and we always welcome any feedback. You can email us. Uh, or holler at us, but uh, we love you guys and excited about what God's doing in and through you. And guys, we're only getting started. Like, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, there is so much opportunity as people continue to flood into Middle Tennessee uh, and God continues to, to build his church here. We're, God's bringing a whole new wave of people. We've had two welcome receptions in the last three weeks uh, because of the way it fell with Easter. And it's been packed with new people uh, that God is bringing our way. And so um, continue to pray for that as we weave them into the body uh, of believers that we call the Church of Station Hill because we don't go to church, but we are the church. Amen. So, Brian, we pray for us and close us out Absolutely. Tonight. Father God, we are thankful. Thankful for your grace. Thankful for your son that saves us. Uh, thankful for the way you build your church. Uh, thankful for the grace that you that you give us. Thankful, thankful for the the leadership that you give us. Uh, find us faithful. Uh, find us to be faithful stewards of the grace given. Find a, fi find us uh, in seeking ways to express the gospel through the gifts we have been given, and 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 that we encourage one another, Father. That we that we edify. That we are a body that edifies one another, and that that's a wonderful world word that the world hasn't taken yet. And so, as we continue to build each other up, build up the body, we grow stronger, Father, and and more gospel able, and that make gives a gentleness and a beauty that the world just can't resist because there's nothing else like it. And so continue to make your church flourish. Continue to have us be a unique place of hope and, and of healing that nowhere else in the world can offer. And so, Father, make us more sure as we've, as we've seen these people. Uh, draw us more sure of, of who we believe and, and let us be changed in our encounters with your truth. Don't let us walk out the same people that walked in. And it's, the, it's in the precious name of Christ Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.